from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drinks business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Victor Yerutia, CEO of Cune, a fifth-generation wine company in Spain. Victor, thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome, Adam. So uh, before we, we jump into the conversation, could you tell the listeners a little bit more about Cune if they're not familiar? I know you have a, a few wineries in the portfolio. Um, I, I love the wines from Cune, um, but for those that aren't familiar, it'd be great to just get a little bit more of a background. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for, for being such an enthusiast. We're actually not that well known in, in the US or in most places for that matter. We, we're a family company from Spain. We were founded 1879. I'm part of the fifth generation. And we've been making mostly Rioja since since back in, in those days, since the 19th century. Different wineries, different vineyards across Rioja. Perhaps our best known is Imperial. We also make a wine called Cune, just like us. Vigna Real, Contino, which is the first single vineyard in northern Spain. And we've branched out to Ribera del Duero to Valdeoras in Galicia, and to Carva in the past few years. So we, we've been quite active. So uh, you, you mentioned, so I, you know, I obviously have to ask now because you, you mentioned it. So you're not that well-known um, in the U.S. Is there a reason for that? Is your, is your market more Sp- Spanish-focused, more European-focused? Um, what really the reason for that is? Yeah, I would argue that most Spanish wineries are not really that well-known in the U.S. I think Spain, we've always been there, and Spain has always been in, in the U.S., but I don't think we're top of mind when, when, when people think about wine, sadly. I think we, we still need to do some work to change that. But we're not as well known as we'd like. And that applies to Cuneo, and I think it applies to most of Spain as well. So it's really interesting you bring that up. I was actually having this conversation with a few wine industry professionals last week, and they, they concur what you're saying, um, which is interesting because everyone admits when they, when they try the wines from Spain that they're you know top-notch and should be in the same conversation as – you know, a few of the other countries we could talk about that, you know, people think of when they think of European wine. And we all always wonder why that is. Um, this is not, this was not the, the part of the conversation initially, but, but I am, I am, no, but I, I, I mean, it's super interesting. I think people who are listening to the podcast would find it interesting as well. Do you have any ideas as, as to why that is? I do. I, mean, I do. And, 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 and the, I wouldn't say the highly controversial, but the, the, of course they're, they're completely debatable. I think not having, a restaurant scene in the US for a long time has not helped at all. And Spanish cuisine, I think, is is is, is beautiful. And of course, I love it, and it's diverse, and it's. But it 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 doesn't travel as easily as say some Italian cuisine like pasta or pizza. So we've not had restaurants in the US, and there's very few Spanish Spanish restaurants from Spain. I mean, not Cuban or Mexican, which sometimes people associate for being Spanish as well. And I love the association, but it's just not quite the same. And so we've not, we don't have that that history of, of of popular cuisine in the U.S. that the Italians do. We don't, and on the other hand, we don't have this connotation of being the best uh, the best food that the French might have, which you could argue is overrated at this moment in time. Definitely, they've certainly yeah, they've certainly earned it in the past, uh, way way back in the past. But we, we lack those two things, so we. Sometimes I say that in Spain we are old world, new world producers in the sense that when people think of old world, they think of, of Italy and 
and, and France. And Italy, they think about it over the past 30, 40 years. I think in the past, people in the US, when they thought about quality wine from outside of the US, they only thought of French. And then Italy came on scene. And I actually do think that Spain has, has done a lot in, in recently to, to improve that image. And speaking of us, um, we, we always had this sort of complex that we weren't as good as, as the French. I think deep down we, we had this in us, this, this sort of feeling that we weren't good enough. And I think we, we're managing to shake that off. I think that's not how we see ourselves nowadays. And I think there's so many quality producers in Spain in, in different parts of, 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 of the price spectrum. We make wines. Imperial is, I don't know, 80, 90 bucks. To me, I find that expensive, but I compare it to it's equivalent wines from, from Burgundy or from Bordeaux or even from Napa. And I think this is, this is really good value. So, and, and we go all the way down to 15, 20 bucks as well. So I think we, we have to shake off. And I think when I say we, I, I think other quality minded Spanish producers, we have to shake off this complex that, that we think that we're not good enough because we are good enough. It's just, we don't have the, we haven't been around as long as the other guys in, in the U S I think that's, that's the major problem. It's interesting to hear you say that because, you know, I, that's a very similar message that I hear from actually Italian producers too. Yeah. In, in the same regard of like we have to just get over that we don't need to compare ourselves to France all the time. And I'm sure they complain about the people associating Italian wines with, with, I don't know, some of the wines that come out of Italy and Spain, which aren't great. And people think of that immediately and it's unfair because right. that's not – necessarily the, the what the country excels at it's definitely not what the country excels at yeah but, but you know you can't blame people for people have a ton of things on their mind yeah you can't expect everybody <laughs> to know everything about every country yeah it's just it's not possible yeah so i mean again we're a little bit sidetracked but i think it's super interesting for everyone to listen to um we, we you talk a little bit about the the regions in which you make wine obviously rioja is extremely famous uh but how do you convince an American or what, what is the marketing message, the sales message to get them to try, um, to try some of the wines from Spain? Do you, you know, I think some producers will say, Oh, I never would want to compare my wine to something else. I wouldn't say if you like Napa, try this, or if you like Burgundy, try this. Other people think that that's a very, you know, accessible way to, to make connections for consumers. Um, you know, how, how do you go about getting someone to try Rioja for the first time or to try Cava or things like that? It's a really good question, you know, and I struggle with this sometimes because often you see people being just too, just too snobbish about it and, and, and making it too complicated and it's a different language. Uh, and well, firstly, I'm not English. Okay. I thought I'd say that because people think yeah. I'm English, <laughs> but I'm not. Okay. I'm Spanish, but I just, I lived in England as a child and I learned English there and I actually, I've lived in the US as well, but the accent, it just never shook off the English one. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's the first thing that confuses people. Is why is this English guy telling me about Spanish wine? Um, that's the first thing. That's the first obstacle I need to overcome. And the second one is the the, the labels in Spanish and everything's in Spanish, and it's just it's just not easy to it's just not easy. Yeah, and I see that when I'm when I'm in Asia and I'm buying a bottle of sake, I feel stupid because I, I have no idea what I'm buying. I don't know if it's good or bad. Or I don't even know what it says on the label. And right, of course, it's not the same in the US, but they feel that way with with our wines, with our Spanish wines. And if I see something, I love German wines, but it's hard work getting through, just comprehending what's on the label. And you can have that with, with a Grand Reserva from a village you've never heard of in a, re, in a sub-region you've never heard of in, in somewhere in Spain. That can, that can just be daunting. So 
what I tell people is keep it as simple as, as possible. And I tell that mostly to other producers in Spain as well. We're lucky because my ancestors, the, the stroke of genius, they decided to use Spain's flag as our symbol. Now, not everybody knows what Spain's flag is, but an educated guest, you see something with, with, with red and, and yellow and red. It, it, it points you in the direction of Spain. And I think that helps a bit. Also, our names are straightforward. And I think we, back in the day, they had that good choice of words with, with imperial names like that so that are easy to recall. But mostly when I think of Spain, I think you say the comparisons. Well, the French can be very uptight. And I've, 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 I've felt this, I've experienced this going to France. It's not always an, an easy experience. No. And Spanish people, like Italians, are the opposite. We're open, we're open and we're gregarious and, and we love meeting people from abroad and we help them out. And even if they can't speak the language, we, we bear with them and we help them out. And we're the country of sun and we're the country of, of enjoyment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a place to go to have fun. Maybe it's not the best to be an accountant or, or an engineer. We're not so good at those things. But it's, those are the things that, to me, fit in best with, with what we are. And maybe I'm being too blasé about this description of Spain. But I think what we excel at is art and food and, 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 and everything that goes around with it. And those are the things we do best. And what we don't do best is things that we shouldn't be talking about now, like making cars and, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will say that it is very true. On my last trip to Spain, um, I did feel very a lot of similarities um to italians in terms of the warmth and openness um especially when my car broke down and uh, outside of rioja actually okay. um, and, a, and a bunch of people pulled over who could not speak english and i cannot speak spanish and we all on a sunday which as you as you know from rioja is very sleepy um totally, yeah. helped me get the only tow truck <laughs> that was uh that was available to help tow the car to you know to a place in order to get it fixed because i stupidly again not being able to speak spanish put you know regular unleaded in diesel (laughs) (laughs) it happens quite often so don't worry about that but imagine imagine trying to do that in in france on a sunday it never would have happened (laughs) no one would have ever stopped so of course in italy you'd be fine and in spain you'd be fine as well but it's a good point how to distinguish between the Italians and, and the Spanish. I have a really interesting story about how to do that, but it takes too long and it's for another time. So I, we leave it for <laughs> another, I'll leave that for another time. But many things in common, I don't know. It's I think it's just exploring the wines because the wines are different. The varieties are different. The origins are different. So of course the differences are all there, yeah? but the, 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 it's not firsthand. It's not something you're going to see just on just by looking at the bottle. But, but there you go. So coming to now what's happening in the world currently. Um, so as, as a, a wine producer with, with several different labels, uh, where were your, your majority markets and sort of, can you talk us through what happened? Um, what's happened to the business since COVID hit sort of how, what, what decision processes you went through in order to figure out how you were going to adapt uh, and what those adaptions have been uh, up until, I guess, you know, now the, the beginning of July. Right. So COVID started for us mid-March. I think March 13th, that's when our country went into, into lockdown. And the thing about us, the thing about Kune is that we, we focus tremendously on the on-trade, on restaurants and bars, particularly in Spain. And this is what we've been doing for 140 odd years. It's, it's what we know how to do best. And when I first started working here, I was told, you know, your reputation is made in restaurants and bars. That's where it's at. Now, of course, this is the mindset from, from many, many years ago when 
you couldn't find it, it was very hard particularly in Spain but I think it applies to most places as well it was it was hard to find good good wines in just any old shop or in supermarkets or anywhere you just couldn't do it yeah so good wines were in good restaurants that's and that's that's what I was led to believe it was sort of ingrained in, in the company's philosophy and that's what we tried to do so when this hit and we thought god you know what is good business now is actually terrible business and the people that are selling like crazy in supermarkets they're the ones laughing all the way to the bank so that that was right that was just it was one of those things that i think it caught all of us unawares this covid thing and yeah, none of us saw it coming but none of us really had thought about on trade being a bad business on the contrary we thought it was great because it's diversified as well you know if if you do if you only do business with one big chain shop and they go they stop buying from you for whatever reason then then you're finished whereas if you sell to 2000 restaurants well they're not all going to go under at the same time well it turns out that they sort of did go under well they shut down at the same time so that that was just it was a huge shock of course not just for me for for everybody who 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 has that kind of model and many quality us wineries that's what they do as well so that was that was really painful as well because we didn't know if we were allowed to go to work at the winery. We didn't know if our frontiers were going to be shut and we could, if we could continue selling, or even to other towns and other parts of Spain because the lockdown was really severe here. We went from celebrating things out in the street one day to going to football matches, and the following day we, we were confined and we, we could not leave our houses. Now, you guys have been through that in the US as well, of course. Yeah, but very different. <laughs> very different, yeah. But, yes. Yeah. I suppose maybe in New York, people, it's, it must have been incredibly tough in New York. We, yeah, we, we went through it in New York, um, I think in, in a very similar way that a lot of yeah. countries in Europe went through it, where we, we were not leaving our homes, et cetera. But then you have other places in the country, which is now why we have another surge, which hmm. is going to be interesting, uh, who did not have that, right? And so the lockdowns were less severe um, Yeah, and, you know, is, is why our numbers are now high still. So, uh, you know, we had things like the army out on the street using speakers and shouting at people, don't leave your house. Which really, really freaked people out. You know, that's just, nobody even contemplated seeing anything like that ever. So, at first, we went through that, and it, it was it was awful. I really struggled. I didn't sleep well at all, and I I felt for everybody uh, at work, and of course, and their families, and, and our own families. But then things started to get slightly better. Yeah, we thought, well, this is not really the end of the world. It's just going to be very painful. So, in Spain, what happened is that we've lost a huge amount of our business because restaurants have only just started to open up in the country. And what we're seeing is big restaurants and those that have outdoors spaces, they're, they're doing okay, kind of okay, yeah? But sadly, it's the small ones and those are the, those are the majority, the ones that don't have outdoor spaces and they're struggling and a lot of them are still shut and they're just not going to open. Plus, we depend so much on tourism in this country. Again, like many, yeah. parts, of, many parts of the US, I'm sure it must be so tough in, in New York and but but I think for us it's much just much more important because Spain is a poor country and and we need tourism and, and we, we depend on services so it's going to be very tough for us I think the, the next few months. I want to bring up a question uh, looking forward that's a, that's similar to a question that I had with um, Francesco Zonin uh, from Italy because oh, sure. you, you 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 bring up a a very similar point to him which I think is interesting and that is this whether we will see a lot of fine wine companies who reevaluate strategy in terms of on-trade post-COVID. And the reason I say that is because I think, you know, obviously we're 
a very large digital publication, but there's lots of digital, you know, there's lots of ways that now people are connecting with wineries from listening to things like us to, um, you know, reading publications to going to wine shops, et cetera. And I think there's, there's been, you know, a, a growing movement over the past decade, let's say that maybe certain beliefs we've had about the power of one channel over the other weren't as accurate as they used to be, right? Saying that like, oh, a brand really does get built this way or that way. The way that you become the super, a super fine wine brand is that, and let's say per se picks you up and, you know, then all of a sudden everyone's talking about you, that maybe there were, there are other ways that maybe it's just getting into a really great wine shop um, and being talked about there. Or do you think in that regard, we will see a reevaluation of how much emphasis certain brands put on one channel or the other do you think there'll be a, a flip i think it's good it's a really good point that you're raising now and it's funny you should you mentioned francesca because i was in touch with giuseppe and he's 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 that one of their guys and asking him at the beginning of our lockdown say hey how are you guys coping in italy you know what's going to happen to us because you guys are maybe two weeks ahead of us so whatever's happening to you is going to happen to us and he was actually really encouraging he helped me out a lot Back, back to back to your point. There's an argument out there that, that the golden age of restaurants is is coming to an end. That, that the restaurant scene that we had now in mm-hmm. in in Brooklyn, in New York, and across the U.S. Yeah, across so many cities in the U.S. It's and and worldwide as well. It's just it, it, it that's as good as as good as it got, and it just won't be as good any longer. And if you think about, you're young, and I'm relatively young. We don't know what it was like 30, 40 years ago. But I, I, I speak to my parents and I ask them about the restaurant scene in New York 35 years ago. And they tell me that it, was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't amazing. Yeah? You had a few top, top restaurants for French and they were sort of very fussy and, and, and formal. Yeah? And, and not, they weren't amazing. They're, they're probably boring and stuffy. And there wasn't a whole lot of other good things out there. And, and what we have now, what we had a year ago, was was nothing short of extraordinary. Yeah, you have the, the best that the world could offer at, at at your fingertips all the time, and maybe that's going to disappear. It'd be a, it'd be a huge shame if it does, but it's it's hard to think how it's going to be exactly the same, is it? It's just I just don't see it. So, so will it force us to reevaluate how how we cope and how we how we what we strive for in terms of how do we build our image? For sure, no question. I mean, online. If you'd asked any of the uh, what are considered the, the the finest wine estates out there a few years ago, what they thought of selling online, I'm sure they would have just dismissed it as as you know as very commercial and not for them. Yeah, right. But and again, that's and that's another telltale sign of snobbery, yeah, which is just so rampant in in this industry, in this business. But anybody that had a good online presence when this COVID hit must count themselves lucky now and anybody who, who 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 turned it away out of some perception that it wasn't good is kicking themselves yeah what what, what could be better than having a group of people that, that love your wines and know how to find them easily online and and so th- there's 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 a commercial consideration there which is can you and this is is it's more of a business thing yeah than 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 a wine lover thing is can you as a winery can you can you have the same offer can you can you present yourself in the same way and at the same price to restaurants to shops and to individuals buying directly from you with the same products i think that's hard yeah 
I don't think you could do that. I, I, well, I think I think it's hard to get away with that. Yeah, the restaurant will be upset if you're selling something similar to what you're selling to them to, to any old person. Yeah, and 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 and, the, and they probably don't want things that you, that you can buy readily in shops as well. And we see that a lot in Europe also. You know, some you might have a great importer in Switzerland that sells to shops. But then he can't sell those same wines to restaurants because they see the prices in the shops and think, oh, you know, people will know how much I paid for this wine that I'm selling to you in the restaurant. So I need to have something that you can't find in shops. So it's it's complicated and there's so much noise out there as well. And I suspect that most wineries in the end, they'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, most most wineries, I think, at least from where I come from, they don't really have a huge strategy as to how they should be doing their business. They just go out there and just sell, you know, it's just... Right, know, just sell. Yeah, it's a luxury to think, you know, no, that's that goes against my my marketing strategy. Yeah, so no, come on, you know, it's selling is just so hard, and there's so many wines out there. It's so hard yeah. to capture someone someone's attention. Yeah. Well, so that's what I wonder about when we're talking about these these different products because I think, you know, obviously in in COVID you had a bunch of people who moved to buying a lot more from wine shops. I mean, we saw obviously, you know, um, we normally our publication where, you know, our heaviest traffic would come from, you know, uh, OND. So October, November, December, obviously, like we were doing, you know, an average of 5 million readers a month in April and May, right? So each month, there's massive, massive readership of people who want to read about wine, beer, cocktails, et cetera, and who are then going to wine shops in order to, you know, buy those wines. And another question that you, you sort of already touched on, but I think is interesting is that, you know, these are now people who... Also, if you looked at the Nielsen data and other data that, that we have access to, right, the two fastest, the, the two largest segments of, of wine sales were coming from twenty to twenty five dollars and twenty five dollars up. Yeah, which is which is great because right, yeah, they're buying you know high end wine, but in that regard, in that in that regard, that those are the bottles that in the restaurant would have been sixty to seventy bucks, right, in New York. How many people now who have gotten used to bringing those wines home? are going to now be willing to buy those wines out. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about is really interesting because will you see more wineries who, who have, you know, well, this is the wines we mostly sell, you know, for at home consumption. And this is now our, you know, our, our restaurant line or whatever. And, and I've seen certain wineries who've, I, I've talked to certain wine, wineries who've said they're considering that, um, you know, because how, how do you go back and forth? Because I think that a lot of people probably will consume more, especially if we enter a recession that most people are, you know, anticipating is going to come, you will see more people consuming at home, right? So how many people who are consuming at home then and that home consumption will influence that maybe out the, the wine offerings are completely different than what you could buy if you were at a shop? I think a lot of people now, certainly in Europe, where, where takeaway was not as, as prevalent as it is in the US, but they've realized that, of course, it's great fun to go out to a restaurant, but it's going to cost me a fraction of that to have dinner at home with just my family or with just a few friends. It's going to cost me a fraction and I can afford far better wines and the food will be as good because I'm doing delivery and it's much cheaper, yeah? So there's going to be a lot of that. And I, I hesitate to say this because I, I, I love Psalms and, and half my friends are actual Psalms and there's nothing that I enjoy more than than talking wine with these people. But for, for a, any wine person that includes my wife and, and and half my family you go to a restaurant and how much of choosing a wine is really up to you and how much is the the sommelier or the person running the restaurant doing it for you it, again the u.s 
and parts of the US are different because you have a psalm that really engages with you. But how often have we seen somebody that is just not bullying you, but basically telling you what you should be drinking and you're on a date and you don't want to look silly or unknowledgeable. So you, you basically will, will drink whatever the, the, the psalm tells you to drink, yeah, without really knowing anything because you really don't want to argue with somebody when you're trying to impress somebody else, yeah. You just want to right. get on with the business of having a good time. So you're not going to argue and you have no idea if that Greek wine you ordered is going to be any good at all or not. But, but hey, you know, it's, it's, it's what you need to drink. So, and, and how many people really pay attention to what they're drinking in restaurants? I see people that, that really they don't care. And why should they? Yeah, they just want to have a good time. They don't care about where their pork comes from. Um, why, should, why should they care where the, where the wine they're drinking comes from? They're there to have a good time. Yeah. And we often forget that. We make it too... We want to educate and we want to tell them too much. And it's not about that. People want to have a good time. Yeah. So there's so much more room for doing that. If it's, if it's online or in a shop, you can really, you have much more time to dedicate to that. You don't need, you don't get bullied into doing something that you don't want to do. You can look at labels. You can even taste the stuff often. So for the, for, for, for getting people into wine, I think this is not such a bad thing at all. Yeah. So there's, there's, I think there's a bright side to that. And, Psalms can, the, the, being a psalm is one of the toughest jobs out there. You're you working weekends, pay isn't great, you, you, you're going home at crazy hours, you, you work, you're working crazy schedules, yeah? Um, but if you love wine and you know a lot about it, and, and, and you're a psalm, there's so many things you can do afterwards. You can, you can, where you can work, where you can use your knowledge in wine, yeah? You can work in shops, you can work in wine companies, you can work in, in, Online wine companies, there's so much you could do, yeah. So it's not the end of the world for them. It is. It's going to be. It's going to be super tough for everybody, yeah. But I think it's we, we've got to try and keep a positive mind and find ways of reinventing ourselves. So makes a lot of we, sense. We, yeah, we need to do it as well. The wineries, yeah. All this nonsense about no, we don't do stuff online, and I hear that so much in Spain, yeah. Oh, We're traditional, we don't do that. So well, you know, get with it, yeah, okay, because. Because that's just stupid. Yeah, it's like being shut to visitors. We we were shut to visitors at Kune in the past. When I started here with my sister, we started a long time ago when when previous generation retired, and we were shut for visits. You couldn't you couldn't visit Kune. It was shut. Yeah, you had to know somebody. And I thought this is ridiculous. What, why why do we do that? Is, are, are we ashamed of showing what we have? I said no, of course not. But we should be open. And you see that, especially in France. Again, we're back to France. Who has you, you go and visit a wine region that you love, and and you'd be happy to part with your money to taste wines at a particular estate. No, you don't have an appointment, or no, they don't do visits, and they they, they throw you out. Yeah, that's just so mean. We 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 never do that. Yeah, if somebody shows up and they're from abroad and they don't have an appointment. We'll we'll figure some way of, of of adapting. Yeah, we'll make them wait a bit. We'll give them a glass of wine. Tell them to come back in a bit because that's just the best way to show yourselselves. And of course, in America, this has been mastered in in, in California and perhaps yes. even more so in Oregon. I think where the experience is probably more authentic. But but it's it's the best thing that we have. And so, but people didn't do that before. So once you do that, why can't you just do the online? And why can't you do more things? I think we've got to do it as well. And this applies to us, the Kuna as well. We're not very good at doing this online thing, so we have to get with it. It is interesting. I think I think we're seeing the the wine industry adapt much more quickly because they're now realizing it was essential than they used to, right? I mean, I think yeah, the the idea that digital wasn't something they should pay attention to, whether it was you know e commerce sales or just content that's only digital, or you know social media, or a really active you know 
email list or with their with their customers that they can speak to directly. I think a lot of wineries have realized, you know, in this that the wine wineries that have done well are the ones that had that relationship that was very personal with their customer. Yeah, and the way they had that relationship was maybe the customer found them originally through an article they read online and they went through that article link and they bought the wine for the first time. Then they, you know, sign up for the, for the wine club. And now they were a lifeline to a lot of these wineries over, over the past few months. So I'm curious, uh, a little bit because you obviously are active in Asia as well in terms of sales and they are people would still say you know a few months ahead of of the rest of the world although we see a little bit of spikes still happening um is, a, is some of what you're saying now uh and some of your hypotheses of where we might be headed being influenced by what you're seeing happen in Asia and and what and how is the business going in Asia well his his one thing that, that I think is 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 good about this covid business is that you realize that people aren't that different yeah and of course every everybody's different and that's that's the beauty of, of us but when you look at consumers the fact that that wine lovers they tend to do similar things everywhere yeah they don't just give up now we we have an import company in the u.s and we also have an import company in china and in japan because we just struggled so much getting people to pay attention to us. We just decided that we're going to force people to drink our wines by actually having <laughs> our own importers there. And it works to a point, but, but it's, it's, yeah, it's a good way to get yourself implanted in the country, to have local staff and to know what's going on. And of course, China, China was the worst because they started, the whole COVID thing started there with the Chinese New Year at the, end of, at the end, beginning of February. Right. Started, yeah, beginning of February. So they had the Chinese New Year and the country shuts down and they go on holiday. But that coincided with, with the COVID thing blowing up. And so everything was completely shut. People weren't allowed to leave their homes as, as they were in many, many places. But you, you had a government person in your apartment block telling you that you couldn't leave the house. So it was, it was, it's inconceivable in a, in a democracy to have something like that. Or at least it wasn't until now. But they had that. So the whole country was just completely shut down. So we did zero business in February and in March, the awful months. And since then, it's been picking up. And it's like you say, it's online. People are afraid of going to bars and restaurants. They are cautiously coming back, but but being super cautious. And shops are up, and, and so is online. And I think it's going to be a long time before that comes back. And at the same time, there's so much turmoil going on anywhere in China with politically and i don't know it's 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 interesting times everywhere isn't it interesting to use to to use a nicer word but every so many countries are going through so many problems that the wine thing just gets thrown in with that yeah we just get carried away with little pawns in what's in what's happening so but china's going through huge upheaval as well so is they are picking up those slowly slowly but they are picking up which is encouraging and Japan is quite different as well because they actually went into lockdown a lot later than than China for for some silly optimistic reason. I thought Japan might might be spared this whole lockdown because they're they're so they're so cautious in terms of keeping distance and they wash so often everything and 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 they use masks anyway when they have when they're just slightly sick or slightly fluy that I thought maybe we'll get away with it, but but they didn't. They went into voluntary lockdown at the beginning of April, and they had it for pretty much the duration through end of May. Uh, Tokyo finished a bit before that. And 
same thing online through the roof doing great business online in japan department stores they shut down and that's a shame because they sell a lot of wine and oh, in interesting. yeah yeah you have all these beautiful stores that sell all kinds of things but they also sell a lot of wine and that was terrible because they were they were shut down as well as you, as you would imagine because it's it's a huge closed space indoors and you can't do that so and the restaurants shut and the the, the interesting thing is now they're starting to open but it's the restaurant, the large restaurant groups that aren't opening in Japan. And I say, well, this is weird because everywhere else, those are the ones that that are the bigger businesses, are the ones that can cope with with opening. Yeah? And, but they're, they're, again, it's the mindset, which is so different. They're worried about damaging their reputations. If, if, um, if something happens, you have somebody get sick there, or I suppose that's, that's, that's a concern in the US as well. In Spain, it's not such a big concern. I think we're more laid back about that. Yeah. So no, here it's definitely a concern. Yeah, and and and, and perhaps rightly so. Yeah, but they're the ones that, that are that are being shut in Japan. It's the small places that that are opening. So it's pretty much the opposite is here. So I do think that slowly things will start opening up. I'm so thankful that this COVID thing hit now instead of I don't know October, November, December. Yeah, with 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 cold weather, with dark nights, and with 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 so much shopping and 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 and, and consuming going on, yeah, people going out, it would have been. Well, I just I don't even want to consider this happening again in in the fall. This coming back, yeah. Uh, we um, have to hope. We have to hope. I think we'll be okay. At least we know we we're better prepared how to cope with this. Yeah. Yes. But I'm see, I'm seeing similar thing throughout the world, which is I don't know if it's reassuring or not, but it, at least it tells you that we're all human and we're all acting in similar ways when it comes to drinking wine and, and having food. Yeah. So that's, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we have an option for it to be a huge, you know, post COVID. I think, I, I think really post vaccine, um, which hopefully comes faster, but I think we do have an option for it to be a huge boom time for, you know, culture, for food, for drink, um, because people, you even see it now in, in whatever phase your country is in or your area is in, the the lowest phase people c- are coming out as much as they feel like they can totally. so if we're yeah. you know yeah. if you're allowed to eat in streets in new york city right now with uh picnic tables in the streets for restaurants those picnic tables yeah. are packed <laughs> you know, totally. people... which is which is good yeah it's a human spirit you know we don't give up yeah we still want to have we still want to enjoy the good things in life and i think that's that's key yeah it's brilliant that we're doing that but you know that's the one nice. thing the one thing that does worry me a bit and I don't really see a clear way out of this is that I think a lot of small wineries are going to suffer because of this. Those that can't afford to be, to have their own online shop. Of course, the online shop is not expensive to set up, but to make it work properly and to get to people or those that can't afford to make themselves heard or the small brands that people just don't know of. Because admittedly, a lot of people that are buying wine now, they're doing it quickly because they they want to spend a lot of time doing it. Yeah. And they're going to things that they recognize. They're buying brands that they've heard of, that, that they know. A lot of people are dedicating time to this and they're listening to, 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 to your podcast and they're, they're checking out your website. But a lot of other people, they're just running through it quickly because they're stressed and they haven't got much time and they've got, to, they've got childcare and they've got to do their work as well. Yeah? And, you know, and they don't want to spend time in a physical shop either because they're afraid of getting sick. So they're just going super quick to get the wine that they recognize and they're not spending time chatting to anybody or looking at things. So I think that is bad. I think that is a shame. And I think that the bigger companies will be will be fine mostly. But a lot of small producers, particularly ones from outside of the US, I think they're going to suffer. 
and I think that's a shame. Yeah, same as the small restaurants. Yeah, they're going to suffer as well. Yeah, I, we 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 talk about that a lot in the editorial team. That it's it's going to be an unfortunate byproduct of of all of this, and 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 of of what comes after, which is unfortunately probably a recession. Um, that there there could be some. So we we could lose some really great wineries, some really great distilleries, craft breweries, and and amazing restaurants that just don't have the the capital to to make it through, which uh, will be very sad. It will be. With wineries, perhaps it, it takes a, it's not immediate. With restaurants, sadly, they, they go under so quickly. Yeah? Um, you, look at, you think about the restaurants that you liked 15, 20 years ago. How many of those are still around? I know. Many are, yeah, but many, it's, just, it's so damn hard that they, they just go under. Yeah? It's, so, yeah, it, it's true. I don't know. It's not... You get depressed if you think about this too much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but people reinvent themselves. Yeah, restaurants might shut, but the people working in them they continue and they do new things. Yeah, so you have to try and look at it that way as well. So do you? I mean, in in terms of uh, like the, what what you see for Kune, you know, in the next six to twelve months, um, are you are you optimistic? Do you plan on introducing any new wines? Um, like, sort of where where do you see the company? By this time next year. Good question. We just released new wines from. We have a new project in in Valdeoras in Galicia, called um, Spanish name is called the uh, Virgen del Galiz, the Virgin of the Galia, which is the name of the river. Also another tricky name. Yeah, it's not easy to pronounce. But the wines, but again, that's typical. That's that's what I was complaining about before. And then when we go ahead and just do the same thing. Yeah, but it's a Godello or Godello white variety, which I think is is fantastic, and it's a it's a new thing. Most people in the U.S., uh, it's sort of the cousin of, 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 of Burgundy, white Burgundy, if you want, and uh, far more affordable pricing. And we're just releasing that now in Spain. And of course, it, 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 we have it's a great example of of a crappy business model where we thought we we're going to just continue selling this to restaurants and bars because that's how we know how to do best. Yeah, but now we, we see we just can't do that, so we're going to have to find a way of selling it in a different way. But that's just what it is. Yeah, in the end. That's you can't just say, well, you know, this is just for the restaurants and we can't do it elsewhere. We'll have to do this elsewhere as well. And we have our Bella project in Ribera del Duero, also Bella. And again, for the entree, but we'll just have to figure out a way of selling it in, in shops. And that that doesn't worry me because the wines are good and well priced. So we've got a ton of new things going on, I have to say. Yeah, that we can't complain. And I have to say also, we're not doing badly in the US. You know, we, we were suffering a lot in Spain during the past three months because we're quite prevalent here in, in Spain, in our country. We're, we're well known here and, and it's it's a really important market for us. But the US is becoming more and more important and we're actually doing okay, which I am just so proud of. I can't, because if you'd asked me in March, I thought, well, everything's going to go to the wall and, and we're completely screwed. But I have to say, touch wood, at least for the time being, you can't see me now, but I'm hitting my head. We are, <laughs> we, we, we're, doing, we're doing okay in the US, yeah, which is, which is extraordinary. We're doing really well in the US. We're doing really well in England. I suppose people know us there and, and we're coping. Not doing badly in Japan. And there's other parts like China where we're struggling a lot. So it, it's going to be a mixed bag, I think. But we have to consider ourselves lucky because we, we do have We've got a lot of people working in the company and they're helping out. So we can't complain. Yeah, I think we're going to be okay. And it's just going to be, a, I have to say, a really dope, 
I, I thought of something clever to tell you with regards to where we're going to be in, in a year's time, but it, it wasn't that clever at all. You know, I really, <laughs> I just, I really don't have any, I really just don't know. You know, we're, we're thinking week by week. I think that's the best way to see it. Yeah. Of course, have a great strategy, how you're going to do more online and all that, but just focus on small things and get, get your work done. That's really how we're seeing it now. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. Well, Victor, thank you so much for taking the time. I think this has been a really interesting conversation. Uh, I hope that everyone listening uh, got a lot of it as well. And I wish you and, and the rest of the, the team at Pune nothing but the best in the weeks and months ahead. You're very kind. Thank you, Adam. And likewise to you. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.